0: I want you to turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you today, to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. I want to uh, talk to you for a few moments from the great faith chapter, Hebrews chapter number 11, and I want to start reading at verse number 8. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8, and I want to say I'm very excited about this semester of life groups. I want to mention once again. That uh, this book entitled Every Man's Battle is a book that had a tremendous impact on my life personally. And uh, my wife has the same testimony of every woman's battle. So before you leave today, if you haven't purchased the book, pick that book up before you leave. And this week we'll be uh, getting instructions uh, about how to make our groups as great as possible. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive, For an inheritance obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, everybody say by faith. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in a tabernacle with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This passage of Scripture reminds the Hebrew people about how their patriarch Abraham acted on faith before there was a law, before there was clear, written indication of God's expectation. When God spoke to Abraham by faith, he left the land of comfort, the land that he was familiar with, and he went into a land which would eventually become his Inheritance. He was a sojourner there in what was a strange country but became his promised land because he was looking for a city that was made by God. I want to speak for a few moments this afternoon on this subject manifest destiny. Manifest destiny. Let's pray together and ask for God to speak to us through his word today. Jesus. We thank you today for your anointing, power, and blessing. We thank you, Jesus, for the way, Lord God, that you work on our behalf. But most of all, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to follow you, to find direction for our life, that we don't have to just wander. We don't have to be aimless. We don't have to lack direction, but we can find direction through you, Christ Jesus, and we thank you for that today. Speak through your word, Lord God. Use your servant today, and I pray let somebody be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let somebody find fresh hope and fresh direction today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. I must admit that I am a little different from most people in this regard. That is, I love history. Now, I know most of you didn't like history class. A lot of people didn't enjoy sitting there listening to the instructor talk about things that happened years and years ago. But from the time I was young, I've always had this interest in history. I found out a little bit about the history of California that was significant. In the 1800s, specifically between 1848 and 1852 over a span of around 5 years the population of California grew by 10 times in 5 years can you imagine that in 5 years between 1948 i'm sorry 1848 1852 the population of California grew 10 times the reason for this was something that we refer to or called Manifest Destiny, this idea that uh, the land of the United States of America was intended, the entire continent was intended to belong to the United States of America, and therefore the settlers, the pioneers, whatever you would like to call them, the wagon train folks, pushed out west until they came to California. And then again, there was the the gold rush of 1849 that created the 49ers that... uh, Uh, now are a football team, but originally they were gold prospectors that came out around that year and flooded California. Many of them, even if they didn't strike it rich, set up farms here and uh, established the countryside that we now refer to as California. This idea of Manifest Destiny was promoted by an author named Horace Greeley. Horace Greeley coined a phrase referencing Manifest Destiny And this phrase became one of the most popular phrases in the 19th century, the 1800s, and that was, go west, young man. Go west, young man, was the phrase to indicate to young people, younger families, that their destiny was in the west. And if they would leave the eastern seaboard and make that trek towards the western lands where there was plenty of land, land, lots of land... Under starry skies above, don't fence me in. Anybody remember that song? No. Don't know what you're talking about. I'm from Tennessee. I'm sorry. I'm country. I'm countrified. When uh, um, Brother uh, Amato uh, asked us a little bit ago to uh, shout if we were part of uh, Life, Group, or Life Church, I said, Yee haw. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Brother Sergio said, Did you say yeehaw? Just comes natural. That's what comes out of my mouth. But go west, young man, was the cry within the nation to expand westward with this sense that this was the nation's destiny and purpose to live and to expand and to go into uncharted territories. You see, one thing that I've noticed, and uh, uh, it's very interesting that The people that left the old country in England to come to the United States of America. Everybody enjoying the history lesson today. They left on those ships, the first and most prominent of which was a ship called the Mayflower. Everybody said, April showers bring Mayflowers. Mayflowers bring pilgrims. (laughs) And and these other ships that came and populated the nation on the eastern seaboard... And then over the passage of time, it became crowded. There was poverty issues. And the cry of manifest destiny or go west, young man, was on the lips of young men in the 1800s in the United States of America. Thus, the great huge population expanse that we have seen and observed even today. So go west, young man, was the cry. Now, I, it's interesting because my interest in history... Uh, served me well the last few weeks because I have been teaching at Los Angeles College of Ministry on the history of the Hebrew people. The Hebrew people, and I, I saw, see a correlation here, the Hebrew people, the Hebrew nation, Judaism, started with a man named Abraham, who we read about in Hebrews, who received a call from God. And the call from God to Abraham was, leave the land where you are. Leave the place that's populated. Leave the land where you are comfortable. Leave the land of your fathers, your forefathers, your grandpa, your great-grandpa, all of these people, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you of. And in this land, I will bless you. The call to Abraham was a call to leave the familiar. And interestingly enough, if you look at the map here of uh, 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 of the Bible, uh, basically the map of civilization during bible times where they were leaving was a place called ur anybody see ur number two down there which is in modern day iraq this is where abraham came from interestingly enough tradition says that abraham's father Terah was a manufacturer or designer and creator of idols he lived in a land that you see, it's it's Babylonia, and the word Babylon means the gateway of the gods. Or the word Babel actually comes from the wor- root word confusion, referencing the confusion that comes when people don't believe in one god, but they believe in a multiplicity of gods. And Abraham's father was a creator, designer, producer, and salesman of idols. And uh, the the tradition or historical tradition says that one day. Abraham was left in charge of his father's shop while his dad had something to do. And while he was there, Abraham destroyed all the idols except for one, the biggest idol, and was standing there. And uh, his dad came back and uh, was upset because all the idols were broken. He said, what happened? And tradition says that Abraham declared, well, they had a little war in here, a little problem. And uh, they all kind of got into it a little bit. And you can see that the strongest one won. And all the others were defeated. And his dad said to him, Abraham, what is the matter with you? Are you crazy? These are just pieces of stone and wood. And Abraham said, hmm... And then the call of God came from Abra- for Abraham to leave the land where he was and to go to the promised land. Everybody look at where the promised land is. Canaan land, Jerusalem on the other side of the Jordan River. This is the promised land. This is where Abraham came from. So it's a- as if there was this sense of manifest destiny that God transferred to this man called Abraham. And Abraham heard the call of God to go west. To Go west, young man. Now let me make this a little bit more significant to you in terms of direction because I want to tell you that direction is important in your life. There's a song that states it this way. It doesn't matter where you come from, but it matters where you're going. Are you headed in the right direction? Direction is important for you. It's important for your family. It's important for your children's sake. Which direction are you going in? The Bible tells us the fascinating story of our ultimate forefather who was a man named Adam. Who was created by God from the dust of the ground, placed in the garden. From his body a rib was taken, a woman was created, Eve, the mother of all living. And they lived in a paradise in a place called Eden. And while they were there in Eden they were allowed to eat of everything except for this tree... We all know that their disobedience resulted in their expulsion from the garden. And when they were cast from the garden, the Bible says that the Lord put at the east of Eden a cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So all you have to do is do a little bit of figuring and you recognize that Adam and Eve who were created in the image of God and enjoyed fellowship with God, because of their sin, they were cast eastward. Out of the presence of the living God. So in that sense, this direction of east in, that, uh, in this particular story represents moving out of the glory and the presence of God, moving because of disobedience to a place uh, that is separated from God. I want to tell you today that I believe in the heart uh, of men and women and children is a God-given cry for them to return to fellowship with God. Does anybody believe that? God's desire and the reason he put you on the planet is not so you could grow lots of pretty hair. And God didn't put you on this planet so you could make enough money to drive a fancy car. And God didn't put you on this planet just so you could make lots of babies. God put you here so you could have a relationship and fellowship with God. God wants to have a friendship and relationship with you. Amen. And I believe the universal call upon mankind, upon humanity is to return to that place, return to that spot where you can be restored in your relationship and fellowship with God. So I know this is big picture stuff and crazy, but if they were cast eastward out of garden, metaphorically, the call to come back to the garden would be go west, come back to relationship with God. And there we say, see Abraham that this call comes under the heart of this man to leave where you are and to go in a different direction. And Abraham left the familiar, stepped out into the unknown because he believed God was calling him, God was beckoning him, God was speaking to him. There are many of you, when you came to the Lord Jesus, you had to leave your family tradition. Some of you were raised in a home where you didn't hear the things of God. Some of you were raised in a home where you heard cursing and swearing, and you saw your dad beating up on your mom, and you saw your dad coming home drunk. Come on now. And, and you weren't raised in a home where the things of God were promoted. Uh, some of you were raised in a home where maybe you didn't have abuse or anything dysfunctional like that, but there was no interest in the things of God. It was only sports uh, and, and career and these kinds of things. Uh, but when God began to call you and when God began to speak to your heart, you had to decide, am I going to stop? Stay where it's comfortable, with priorities that I'm used to, with focus and desire that I've watched growing up, or am I going to do what God said and leave my mother and my father and go to a land that God is calling me to, a land of relationship with God, a land of connection with God, a land of having the favor, the favor, the favor of the Lord. When Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, they were separated from God. They were disconnected from fellowship. And the call of God's heart is to have fellowship with His people. That's why something powerful happens when we really begin to worship the Lord. Amen. I'm I'm not talking about the routine of worship. I'm not talking worship just because that's what... Everybody else is doing, and so we'll go through this ritual of worship. I'm talking about when people decide that they're going to talk to the Lord, that they're going to love him, that they're going to express that love to him. Something begins to happen because it's going back to creation. It's going back to origins. It's going right to the core of your purpose for existence. That's why it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are what you've been through. When the Spirit of God begins to move, tears begin to well up. Whether you're hardened, whether life's been mean to you, whether life seems to have treated you good, Or whether it's been bad. There's something inside of you that begins to move and turn and twist when the presence of God begins to move. It's that manifest destiny, that sense that God's purpose is for you to move out of where you are and to move where He desires for you to be, to be restored to that place of eternal relationship with God. Amen. Amen. When you look at the history of the Hebrew people, it's very interesting in this. Roughly 800 square mile area, the Middle East here, is essentially where much of the Bible speaks of. Caspian Sea at the north, Persian Gulf here, Mediterranean Sea. This is where the story of the Hebrew people unfolds. It's really interesting because when Abraham was obeying God, he was led from Ur to Canaan he went west it's also interesting you can read this in scripture that when a time of division came for Abraham and Lot the Bible said Abraham said choose one direction or the other you can either choose the well watered plains of Jordan or you could choose this direction and what did he do the Bible said that he chose the eastward direction And he pitched his tent eastward toward Sodom and Gomorrah. He made a decision regarding direction for his family that was disastrous. He decided, I want to take my family east. He decided, this looks better for me. This is more, uh, it, it appeals to my desires. Look how beautiful and well watered the plains are. But what he was doing was making a directional decision that affected his family in such a way that he lost his sons-in-law. He lost his wife and his daughters ended up being perverts. Just call it what it is. He lost more than he ever intended when he he decided to pitch his tents towards Sodom in the eastward direction. Whereas Abraham goes west. Doesn't look as beautiful, not as well watered. But when he makes that decision to go west, God says, I want you to look around now. Everything that you see, I'm going to give it to you. It's whenever you make a decision for direction that God's favor and promises begin to unfold in your life. Come on now. And you may find yourself in a tug of war at times. Spiritual leaders find themselves in a tug of war. Which way do you want to go? Which way seems most favorable for your assembly? Which way seems most favorable for your group? Uh Which way seems most favorable for your family? Which way seems most favorable for you? You better stop and think before you determine about direction. If it is taking you further away from fellowship and relationship with God, it is a decision directionally that is going to have destructive uh, results. Uh, So I want to tell you, if you ever have a choice uh, between east and west, spiritually, metaphorically, I want you to understand that as a child of God, I've got to choose west i've got to choose moving in the direction of god's pulling i've got to choose moving in the direction of my relationship with god thriving i got to move in the direction of prayer i've got come on somebody i gotta move in direction of family commitment see i want to tell you right now that if your commitment to the things of god are waning you're moving in the wrong direction If you're less interested in the things of God than what you used to be, you're moving in the wrong direction. Come on now. If you're more concerned about your family being in sync with what's happening in the world than what's happening in the kingdom of God, you're moving in the wrong direction. You better stop. You better stop. You better turn around and recognize that this deep call in my spirit was put there by God. And if I hunger and thirst after righteousness, I shall. I shall. My God. I shall be filled. Hallelujah. While in the promised land, history shows us that God's chosen people prospered. But in their prosperity, they lost the purity of their relationship with God and turned Judaism or Hebrew Mosaic tradition into religious ritual and begin to worship idols and false gods again in the promised land begin to marry women from the outside that brought in their false gods their idols and their idol worship and before long you couldn't tell any difference between the Hebrews and the nations, the other groups of Canaan that lived around them. Before long, they all looked pretty much the same and were fighting physical battles for uh, strength and position. But then, you know, it happened in about 500 years before the time of Jesus Christ. The Babylonian Empire, led by a man named Nebuchadnezzar, came in and sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and tore down the walls and brought those uh, that were living in Jerusalem into captivity back to a place called Babylon. Babylon, back eastward. I want you to get the point here that there was a directional symbolism we see in the Old Testament in the Hebrew people that when they disobeyed, they were pulled eastward. When they got things right with God 70 years later, men like Nehemiah in in the Old Testament, men like Ezra that restored the law and read it in front of all the people, pulled the people back westward to a relationship with God. Come on, somebody. Back to fellowship with God. Back to purity. And after... This is an awesome thing about the history, is after the purging that took place in Babylon, it only took 70 years. But after that, the Hebrew people never again struggled with idolatry. They were one God-Jehovah-worshippers in purity after that point. I want to tell you today that there is a call of God on our families. There is a call of God to our children that is to go in the right direction, to make the right decisions, to put God first. Come on, praise him, somebody. Help me praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I could go on and on. Because when Jesus was born, the Bible said wise men came from the east. Jesus was born, the little baby, the Christ child, the Messiah. What did they do? They were east, but they were drawn in a westward direction. In the presence of Jesus and I want to tell you today that the spirit of the living God Jesus Christ that was born in a manger that died on a cross is still calling people back to a place of fellowship uh, I know you're left in rebellion I know, I know you were born separated from God you were born in the charred wilderness of the east but there is a call of manifest destiny in your spirit that says go back restore renew refresh what God intended for you So we see that whenever the Hebrew people would answer God's call, it was a westward call. Whether it was Zion or Jerusalem or Bethlehem for those wise men from the east. Whenever they uh, fell prey to rebellion, sin, captivity, it was to the east. To so- whether it was Sodom and Gomorrah or Babel or Babylon or Ur where originally Abraham came from. And you may be seeing, well, how does this relate to us today? Are you telling us that... Uh, We need to uh, move from east to west. We all need to go live on the coast. I'm not talking about physical things. I'm talking about types and shadows. And the Old Testament is a physical example of what in the New Testament has to be applied spiritually. The Old Testament is types and shadows. The New Testament is reality. The Old Testament is physical. The New Testament is spiritual. And I want to tell you today that because of, Abe, uh, because of Adam and Eve's sin, every human being is born separated from God. Even if you were raised in a family that fears God, even if you were raised in a church, even if you've always... Confess that you believed in Jesus Christ. Spiritually, you were born separated from your heavenly Father. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That means our precious little babies and our children that are growing up in our life, kids, and every person, whether you were raised in a good family and taught right from wrong, you are born separated from your heavenly Father. But thank God that it's not his will that any should perish. But the Bible says that there is a promise that is for everyone that the Lord our God shall call. There is a call that goes forth every day of every week. It's a call in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. And that call is to go west, go west. Don't, be, don't remain where you are Don't get satisfied in your condition and your place But come to where the Lord Jesus Christ is calling you Somebody said, well I never heard any go west young man But you did hear it, you just didn't recognize it Whenever you tried your hardest to succeed And you reached the top and you still felt empty There's something inside that's saying go west young man When you tried relationship after relationship after relationship and you couldn't find what you were looking for in love or in sex... Come on, somebody. It was the call of God that was beckoning you and calling out to you. When you tried this uh, chemical and you tried this high and you enjoyed time with your friends and then at the end of the day you laid in your bed and said, Why am I here? What is the purpose for my existence? That is the call of God on your heart. That is the call of God beckoning and pulling you, saying, Go west, young man. There is a part of you that will not be satisfied until Jesus comes in and lives in your life somebody so we're born in a wilderness we're born without direction we don't know where to go how do I find my direction go west young man how do I find where I should go go west young man well I'll try this religious group it doesn't satisfy me I'll walk down the aisle of this church and I'll shake the preacher's hand. It doesn't help. I'll get me a string of beads and count them one by one, hoping that God will answer my prayer. I still feel empty. Come on, somebody. Well, I'll try this church and this mystical Eastern religion, or, or I'll try being a part of Scientology, or I'll try this. Maybe Mormonism is the path. Maybe I ought to be a Jehovah Witness. There are hungry people in this world today that are trying to answer the call of God on their life, and they don't know which way to go. People of God, we cannot sit back, be satisfied with what we have when there are people lost in the wilderness all around us. That's why young people commit suicide. That's why people are abusive. It all boils down to this frustration of not understanding why I'm here what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm telling you right now. If you've been a part of the church, you've been spirit-filled, but you're wandering in a different direction. You're wandering into frustration. Listen to me right now. There is a call of God that will always be on your heart. And you will not find satisfaction. I speak prophetically right now. I speak prophetically because I'm in the word. You will not find satisfaction. You will find pleasure for a season that brings destruction. Come on. It brings destruction of the mind, the body, the spirit. But if you will respond to the call of God. If you respond to the calling of the spirit. Go west. Go west, young man. Go west. But I'm lost. And I don't know which way to go. And I can't figure out how to respond. If Muhammad's not the way. If the principles of Buddha and Buddhism is not the way. Islam doesn't satisfy I tried, I tried Mormonism. I got this burning in my bosom, supposedly. But I found out that what they teach is based in fallacy. I've tried this, and I'm trying to find direction. When you're in a wilderness and when you're lost, if you knew that your salvation was to go west, you'd, all you'd have to do is do something very simple. Anybody know what you do? Any, do I have any Boy Scouts in the house? any tenderfoot, any Eagle Scout, any star life, come on. We learned that if you want to find direction and you're lost in the woods and you need to go west, all you have to do is lift up your head and follow the sunshine as it moves through the sky because every day, 365 days out of the year, the sun moves from east to west. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So all you got to do is fix your attention on the sun. And if you follow the sun, then you will be moving in the right direction if your directional need is to go west. Come on, someone. You know, there's a prophecy about the coming Messiah in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. I think it's pretty cool. This is about Jesus, and it re- describes him this way. It says, unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wing." The son of it's, it's written S-U-N, like the sun in the sky, but it's talking about the S-O-N, the son of God, God Almighty manifest in the flesh, this Messiah figure named Jesus Christ that was to be born of a virgin. The sun will arise with righteous healing in his wings. I want to tell you today that you don't have to metaphorically, physically follow the sun that's in the sky, but there is a sun that rise. Amen. A sun that rose, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a Son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the Mighty God the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace I speak of a man named Jesus Christ born of a virgin raised by a stepfather who is a carpenter taught the tools of the trade but then at a certain point he said I got to be about my father's business he stepped out and even though he was tempted in all points like as you and I are it was without sin through every temptation he came out on top he became our example he became our pattern if we want to please God all we have to do is follow after Jesus that's why he said to his disciples forsake your nets if you want to be my disciple I'll teach you how to fish for men but you got to forsake what you're doing right now and follow me. I want to tell you that I'm thankful for a day in my young life when I decided that I'm going to forsake all else and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ in the way. By following Jesus, it's made possible that I can be restored to fellowship with my heavenly Father. You know, the Bible says that Jesus spoke to them around him and said, Take up your cross and follow me. Man, that probably didn't make sense to anybody at that point because none of them knew that Jesus was going to die on the cross. You guys with me? Now, we know Jesus died on the cross, but when he said that to his disciples and all the others that were listening to him, they had no idea that he was going to die on a cross. They knew what a cross was. They knew it was a symbol of sacrifice, a symbol of humiliation, a symbol of laying your life on the line. Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. When he said that, they filed it away with all the other profound statements of Jesus Christ. But I bet it really came back to their attention when they were walking there, wiping tears away along this pathway called the Via Della Rosa. And they saw Jesus broken and bleeding, carrying a rugged cross, dragging it, falling to his knees, being helped up again, only to fall down again. As he was taking his cross to a place called the place of the skull. And there they remembered. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Could it be? He was talking about this moment today when Jesus carried his cross he said, pay attention. When I take my cross, that's when you need to take note. Jesus went to a place called Golgotha. There, he was nailed to a cross and he died. And When he died, he was taken down from the cross and placed in a borrowed tomb. The tomb was sealed with a rock. And we know the great story that we'll celebrate in April. We'll celebrate it every day, but we're sure going to celebrate it in April. When the stone was supernaturally rolled away by an angel... And Jesus came up from the grave and walked out under his own power and was seen by multitudes of individuals. Listen to me right now. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. When he took up his cross, he was giving us the pathway to new birth, the pathway to being born again, that we could be in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Come on now. That we could be sons of God like Jesus Christ is a son of God, that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, you and I being the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, but we would have to take up our cross and follow him. And when we follow the son, when we follow Jesus Christ, we follow him to a place of death, to a place of giving it up. Where Jesus, You know what Jesus said? If you save your life, then you're going to lose it. What did he mean? He meant that if you decide just to live how you want to live, then you're going to lose something special that God has for you. But in order to receive the life that you desire, you have to give up your life. That's the power of repentance. Repentance is not just, Jesus, I'm sorry for messing up. But repentance is, Jesus, I am giving you my life. Because let me tell you right now, there are parts of your flesh that are going to, every day of your life, resist the principles of this book. Right, right. And if you haven't laid your flesh on a cross, then you're going to get up, off, up out of that position of prayerful repentance and you're going to go back to catering to your flesh. Right, right. You know, this, in this uh, series uh, of life groups, Every Man's Battle, the Word of God is going to be sharp, razor sharp, as you're reading these principles and your flesh is going to say, No way. That's not what the Bible means. That's not what the Bible is really saying. Your flesh is going to resist the will of God. I know because I got flesh, amen? But I want to tell you today that if you are truly following the Son, you have to say, flesh, you're not in charge. You're not going to make the decisions. You're not going to make the calls. You're not going to provide direction for my life. I have made a decision. I have laid my life on the line, even though my flesh wants to, even though it excites me, even though my desires are in that direction. I've made up my mind. I am going to follow the Word of God. I'm going to live for Jesus. That decision is the most important decision you'll ever make. And until you make that decision, you're gonna be frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. I'm gonna tell you what I think from my observation is one of the most frustrating things is somebody trying to live for God and cater to their flesh at the same time. I mean, you want to talk about constant frustration. I've heard people say, Well, I'm frustrated living for God. I don't know where the joy is, da da da. da. And I'm like, come on, guy. Come on, sister. The problem is, you're in a tug of war with God. God's word says this, and you say this. Let's pull back and forth. This isn't fun. How come I'm not smiling? How come living for God's not a joy? Everybody told me it was going to be great. Come on now. You got to get on the other side of the rope and get with the master and say, okay, God, not your will, but not my will, but thy will be done. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Some people have a mistaken concept about the Godhead and think that when Jesus was in the garden saying, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done, that it was God the Son saying to God the Father that my will is to do this, but your will is to do this, and I'm going to submit as God the Son to God the Father. Now, none of that is biblical because the reality was Jesus was God and he was human. And when Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, he said, I'm not going to let my flesh make the decision here. My flesh says no cross. My flesh says no embarrassment. My flesh says no suffering. Come on, somebody. But Jesus says, not my will, but thy will be done. Let me... This came to me this morning. I was reminded of this this morning. That, that when Jesus was about to go to the cross, when he was about to be crucified, the soldiers came to take him. And he was betrayed by a man named Judas. You know the story. Judas came up and came up and kissed him on the cheek. And Jesus said, Hello, friend. Jesus called him a friend. Then when the soldiers reached over to grab Jesus, Peter pulled out his sword. What did he do? He attacked, trying to protect Jesus. What did Jesus say to Peter? You remember? Get thee behind me, Satan. Mm. Peter's like, but I'm defending you. Jesus said, but my flesh wants you to defend me. But God says, I got to go to the cross. I want to tell you, you have friends in your life and enemies in your life. And those that try to keep you from, from dying out to self, even though they come across as a friend who's concerned about you, they are your enemy. Anything that will keep you from crucifying your flesh is an enemy. Hallelujah. But those of you that encourage you to live for God, Those of you that encourage you to have a relationship with God and walk with God. Those of you that encourage you in your convictions, in your relationship with God. Those are your friends. Amen. Those are your friends. I've decided to follow Jesus, my brothers and sisters. I've decided whatever it costs, I'm going to follow Jesus. I've decided that there's nothing else in my life that's any more important than living for the Lord Jesus Christ. I've decided, just like the song says, though none go with me, still I will follow. I'll be disappointed. I'll be crushed. No doubt it will decimate my faith for a while, but I've made up my mind. I'm following the man that's carrying the cross. I want to give up my life so that I can live again someday. When they took him from the cross, he made that decision. And this is truly what, what living for God is about. It's about making a decision to follow Jesus. They put him in a tomb. There he was buried. We're buried with Jesus Christ in water baptism. Have four or five get baptized in the last couple of weeks, we rejoice. Because they are being born again, born of the water. Why is it important? Because we're following Jesus. To be restored to fellowship with God. Amen. And then Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, but he came up out of the tomb. And I want to tell you today that the most beautiful part, the most exciting, supernatural part of the new birth experience is being spirit-filled. Because once you get the Holy Ghost, now you can respond to that westward call. Because the Bible says when the Spirit is come, it will lead and guide you to all truth. So before you get the Holy Ghost, all you have is the truth of the Word of God that says repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. But once you get the Holy Ghost, you get that internal global positioning system that enables you to follow the direction of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's thank Him together right now for His Word. Why don't we stand our feet right now and let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Here's the deal. Right now... I want to see somebody give their life to the Lord. Maybe somebody is here that did it before. You said, well, I made a decision years ago. But the word of God has resonated in your spirit and you recognize, you know what? I need to make this declaration, make this clear. The very beginning we said it was by faith. Abraham responded. When he heard the call of God, something in his spirit was pulling him. Something in his spirit said, I need to respond to the Lord. I need to take that step of faith. When he took the step, it was a step of faith. And I want to tell you that when you decide to give your life to Jesus Christ, it is a step of faith. Because it's a step in a new direction for you. It's a step into maybe uncharted or unknown territory a step into a place that you're not familiar with, but you take that step of faith. And when you take that step of faith, God will meet you there. Can I tell you real quick, just real quickly, about when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was 10 years old? 10 years of age as a little boy in church, hearing a preacher preach that the Lord would give me the baptism of the Holy Ghost if I wanted it. Boy, did I want it. Didn't understand at all. I was 10 years old, you know. But my friends had received it. My mother and father had the Holy Ghost. And I wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I wanted it. I'd heard it preached. I'd heard it taught. I wanted to follow Jesus and respond to his spirit. I found out. That when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the first evidence that I would know that it had happened was that I would speak in a language that I hadn't learned before as the Holy Spirit gave me the ability to speak or gave me the words to speak. It wouldn't be a, that somebody would hand me a piece of paper and say, say these words, and I would read them. But the Holy Spirit was going to give me the, the, the power to speak words that I did not understand. So as a child, I went and I prayed and I said, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. I desire it. I prayed for it. I cried. I was sincere. But a number of times I went to the front and prayed and then I went back. Maybe a little bit disappointed because I had not received the experience even though I was hungry for God. But I'll never forget the night that I did receive the Holy Ghost. Many of you I've told this story to before. But I like this story because it's about me. No, just kidding. I wanted to receive it and, but I remember we had an evangelist his name was Brother Meadows Brother Mike Meadows was preaching at our church and uh, he preached about the Holy Ghost every night and it was in my mind, it was in my spirit but the morning of the day that I received the Holy Ghost I woke up my eyes popped open and it wasn't very long until all of a sudden I had this idea I'm gonna receive the Holy Ghost tonight. But it was different. It wasn't like I'm gonna to go to church and I'm gonna pray that I would get the Holy Ghost. It was like I'm gonna receive the Holy Spirit tonight. I am going to receive the Holy Spirit tonight. It wasn't like I did this mental exercise. I'm gonna force myself to believe this. It's just like, oh, yeah. and then I got excited. Not nervous, not like excited. I can't wait for church tonight because when I get to church, I get to the altar, I am going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. So that day went by. I went to church that night, sat on the second row. Actually, I was on the front row where my mom played the organ so she could snap her fingers at me if I got out of hand. Listening to the preaching of the word, I don't remember even what he preached. But I do remember this. I remember thinking all through the sermon, please, get finished. Hurry up. Some some of what you guys are thinking right now. Wrap this up, preacher. Come on, because i got to get down there. Because I'm going to receive what I need to. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. I didn't know what it was then, but I know what it is now. It's called F-A-I-T-H. The same thing that got Abraham to move out of Ur and step out towards an unfamiliar... To- it's called faith. Believing that God was going to meet me there. And I got down to the front. And they said, if you want to come pray, come up to the front. And I jolted from my seat and ran to the front and lifted up my hands and began to praise and worship God. And in less than 60 seconds, I would say... I began to speak words that I didn't understand. Let me give you a little cautionary note here. When I started, all of a sudden, my mind said, oh, but you're just making up these words. And I stopped for a minute. And then I began to pray, and the words came out again, and I let them go, and I let them go. Next thing I know, it was like a flood just pouring out of me. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost and I want to tell you today that even if you're a little child or you're a teenager or you're a mom and dad I saw someone receive the Holy Ghost when they were 92 years of age and I've seen a 4 year old receive it but if you'll come and say I want what God has for me I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost You can leave here today a changed person. I believe you can get the Holy Ghost. You can be baptized with the Holy Spirit before you leave. Do I have anybody else that agrees with me and believes this right now? So I want to ask if there's anybody here today that would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit you would like to have that experience with God and you want to take a step of faith to receive what God has for you if you're here and that's you I want you to step out of where you are and come up to the front right now because I personally want to pray with you because I believe God is going to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost it's all right. I'll give you a moment come on Anybody want the Holy Ghost? Anybody want new life through Jesus Christ? Come on. Hallelujah. That's what we're here for today, for somebody to experience new life in Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you that God would fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You can get the Holy Ghost before you leave here today. Come on up. Come on. That's it. Come on up around the front here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I believe this young man's going to receive the Holy Ghost before he leaves here today. Anybody believe that? Praise God. Anyone else want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today? Or is there anybody here you'd like a change of direction in your life? You found yourself going maybe in the wrong way a little bit and you want the right direction for your family. I want you to come forward right now because you can receive just the same. Amen. I'm doing this on purpose today because I want somebody to take a step of faith. Usually I say let's all come up together, but I believe somebody needs to make a declaration right now. In the face of the enemy, in the face of your friends right now, that I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Hallelujah. Come on. Is there anybody else? Hallelujah. That you say, I want what God has for me today. I want the life change that Jesus Christ has promised to me. All right, now I want to open it up for the rest of you that want to respond in faith to what God, if you need a miracle, if you need deliverance, if you need a healing, I want you to come forward because we're going to pray together right now. In Jesus' name, come on up around. Hallelujah. And I need some spirit-filled people to come up and come behind these that have come up here to pray because we're going to pray for a miracle. We're going to pray for God to touch and bless and deliver and heal, fill with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, it's a new day for somebody here today it's a brand new day it's a time of transition it's a time of change there's somebody in this place today in the name of the Lord hallelujah hallelujah okay we're going to pray together right now I want you to pray in your own words but but I'm going to be praying with you so you can follow if you want to but I want it to come from your heart Lord Jesus I want to start by saying I really love you I love you with my whole heart and even though sometimes I live my life in a way that's real selfish right now Lord God I want you to know I want you to know that I truly do love you Jesus I want to ask you right now if you please please forgive me when I've acted selfishly when I've ignored you and your word please cleanse me and wash me today and forgive me I want to be cleansed and made new Lord God by your precious blood that was shed on the cross forgive me Lord Jesus I'm asking Lord that you would cleanse me inside and out let me be made new Lord so that I could be a new creature in Jesus Christ Lord I want to make right decisions I want to be going in the right direction I want your favor and your blessing on my life I want to have a relationship with you Lord I want to love you I want to know you Lord Jesus and I pray today Lord God that you would give me the power through your holy spirit to be cleansed to find direction to be anointed lord god and to let your glory come upon my life i'm asking today that you would come and take up residence in my life i want to be filled with your spirit to because I'm giving my life to you today, Jesus. I'm giving you my direction. I'm giving you my future. I'm giving you my tomorrows. Fill me with your spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer sincerely, I want you to lift up your hands now and just begin to worship and praise God because that's how you receive His Spirit. Just begin to thank Him for the promise of new life. Begin to thank Him for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let's praise Him together right now. Somebody, let's pray. God's already filled one with the Holy Ghost here this morning. Come on, let's rejoice together. God's refilling and restoring right now. It's two that have received the Holy Ghost so far. Come on, hallelujah. Oh, no. Hallelujah. Others that are making decisions to follow after Jesus, saying, As for me and my house, we'll serve. Come on, let's just praise him for a minute right now. Let's thank the Lord for what he's doing. Thank you, Jesus. All, all way hallelujah, way, hallelujah, hallelujah. You <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let's put our hands together and thank God for his presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Lord, you're great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 I just want to say before we're dismissed in Jesus' name, those of you that are praying, continue praying. But I just want to encourage you. If you, if you found yourself wandering, just kind of like losing ground, moving in the wrong direction, I don't want you to leave here feeling beat up. I don't want you to leave here discouraged. Just change direction. If you haven't been faithful, get back faithful to church. If you've been doing stuff that you shouldn't do, quit. If you had not been reading your Bible, go dust it off and start reading it again. Come on, somebody. Everybody goes through detours at one time or another doesn't matter where you come from, but it counts where you're going. Are you heading in the right direction? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. I want you to be respectful to these that are praying still.